And all the people said amen. amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I guess uh, he, he nodded at me this morning. I thought they'd open a chute and I took off. And I didn't know if I was early or late or what, but uh, I, I, I'm glad to be here. I love this a good church. Uh, amen. I, I need to take y'all with me to some of these churches I'm getting to preach in. Uh, they could use some amen and some applause and some cheers uh, that you have to offer. But I, uh, uh, I love your pastor. We've been friends for several years now. We eat meals together and kind of uh, share shared our ministries with one another. I've been retired 61 weeks today. Uh, this is my, this is my. Thank you. God bless you. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm good at it, amen? In those, uh, in those 61 weeks, this is my 52nd time to preach uh, since I retired. Uh, so God's, uh, God's using me in a great way. And somebody said, well, I thought you retired. I said, I did. I don't have to put up with y'all no more, amen? So that's, that's been one of the joys of it. Uh, but I, I love people. I love the church. I love to preach. Uh, and I love this church. You have a, a great spirit. I've asked... Uh, 48 years I've been doing this, you would think I wouldn't be nervous. I told the, the first service, some, oh, some of you wasn't here. Some of you were here, got to hear this again. If you got it on video, I'll just go sit down and we'll play it if y'all want to, and you won't have to listen to me again. But I, uh, I told them, I'm, I'm a little nervous. It's my first time here to preach, uh, and I always want to go back. I usually don't get to go back when I get through. Uh, that's about all they can stand to me. So uh, I don't go back to a lot of places, but I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Right after I retired, I brought my wife and my daughter and two of my granddaughters. We came in worship with you one Sunday morning. And, uh, and they've been with me to several churches since I retired, but they, uh, this, they talked about this church probably more uh, than any church that we visited because of your atmosphere. Uh, you people are friendly. Uh, you're, you're make you, you, you make us feel at home when we come into this place, and I commend you. My word in ministry is atmosphere. I, uh, I've always described that. And, you know, when you walk into a place... In the presence of Jehovah, you can sense his presence if he's there. Amen? And it's, uh, he's, not, he's not in all the churches like he's here. You've, you've got it going on, and I, uh, I commend you on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach you a message uh, that God has laid on my heart, but I feel like the, the little boy, his mother told him to, it's pitch dark, his mother told him to go out on the porch and get the broom, and it, 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 uh, uh, he's scared of the dark. He said, Mother, I don't want to go out there. I'm scared of the dark. She said, you don't have to worry. Jesus is out there. So the little boy opened the door and stuck his arm out and said, Hey, Jesus, hand me that broom. Uh, that's kind of that's how I feel now. Jesus, give me that broom. Amen. I'm ready to preach. But I, I really forgot I was preaching again. And I mean, I throw down in that early service. So if I had to sit down and finish, I'm, I'm whooped. I'm telling you, I, I didn't pace myself. And they kept telling me there was a clock. Well, I'm looking on this, this TV here for the clock. I never did see the clock. Well, it's, it's up way up top. I quit 10 minutes early. Everybody come and hug my neck and told me that's a great message. It wasn't that good. They got out 10 minutes early. They was tickled to death, amen? So, but I found the clock now, so I know uh, 47 minutes. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I am not going to preach 47 minutes. So you don't even have to buckle up on this one. But I, uh, but I am, I am uh, I'm excited. I love, I, I, somebody told me I should have been a, a comedian. No, uh, I grew up in church bored to death. 
Absolutely. I went to church and I was in worse shape when I went home than I was when I went there. Amen. It's kind of like you go to church empty. And you know, a lot of people do that. Y'all know that. People, they go to church empty and you say, what do you mean? I, and I know it's not in this church, but I've been in a lot of churches. They, they come in that church and they're up there like, uh, okay, preacher, bless me if you can. Hey, uh, Mr. Music, bless me if you can. Boy, they want heaven poured out and read their Bible all week. Hadn't prayed all week. They come to church as empty as you can go to church, and you know what? They leave empty. So I think we ought to go to church. Hey, I came expecting somebody to get saved, somebody that's struggling in Jesus' name to, to have victory over that struggle today. I came believing in miracles. Amen? And, and I truly believe every time we come, we should believe that heaven's fixing to come down and his glory's fixing to fill this place. Second Peter, if you'll turn to Second Peter, uh, I, I, I want to preach a message dealing with uncertainties. Now, it's not a New Testament survey. I won't do that to you. Uh, I'll try not to get stuck in the mud with the life of, with the life of this great uh, uh, writer, of the apostle. Uh, but, you know, now anytime a pastor or a preacher tells you to turn to an epistle, I want you to remember that is a letter written to a New Testament church. That's what an epistle is. That makes it easy to understand when you see that. But when you when you turn to uh, when you turn to Second Peter, you got to look at the history of First Peter. He's uh, been to Cappadocia and to Pontus. Uh, he's been to uh, uh, Bithynia, uh, Bethany. I mean, he's been to Bethany. He's been to Asia. He's been he's been all over the the, the northeastern part of the Middle East, and he spread his ministry. And that's in First Peter. But when you get to Second Peter, if you read it close now first uh, Peter chapter 1 verse 1 you'll see that uh, he's, he's gone into all these places presenting this gospel and buddy uh, when, when, when Peter after he got over chopping off that, uh, that old Malchus ear when they came to the garden to arrest Jesus, when, when he got over that, uh, and then he progressed through the denial of Christ those three times, and then when he started sinking, walking on the water, you got, you got to get to Second Peter to realize, okay, he's, he's done his missionary work. He's going to all of these countries uh, presenting the gospel. And now when you get to Second Peter, he, he wrote it for the United States of America today. And that's what, that's what this epistle is about. Peter is writing to us. It's a readable material. For, and, and, and here's his problem. False teaching, false preaching. Let me tell you something. Uh, I'm, I'm going, uh, uh, and I ain't going to call no names of no churches, but I'm going into churches where there ain't no fire in the pulpit. Ain't, ain't, ain't good grammar, but it's the best way I know to say it. And listen, if there ain't no fire in the pulpit, they sure ain't none in the pews. Amen. Boy, I like you when I say amen. I preach in some churches that's the day I had to go down and amen myself. <laughs> that's sad, isn't it? But, but here, man, y'all get with it, and I like this. But remember, when you start reading this, uh, this, this second epistle of Peter, when you start reading it, he, he has backed off of all the traveling, of, of everything that he's doing, and he's saying, hey, uh, Eden, West Side. I'm going to write this for you because there's some real junk out there. And there's some junk that's being thrown at people in our society. And when he writes this, he's actually, he's actually going against all this false teaching, uh, the false prophecy that's uh, functioning in our world today. Hey, there's, there's some junk out there. Uh, I, I did a funeral the other day, and if I had found out... Uh, 
what this person believed, I would not have done the funeral because I don't even think I could preach them into heaven with that junk they believed. But it's, it's very tragic in, in, in how our churches, and, and let me tell you, this is in some of our Southern Baptist churches. You better thank God that you have a pastor that has enough Holy Ghost unctioning upon him that's keep keeping you straight in the highway to heaven. Amen? And I'm, I'm telling you, amen. Absolutely. Applaud your pastor. Yes, indeed. He's going to get old like me one day. He's going to retire. And I don't know how you're going to fill his shoes. I feel, I feel sorry for the man that's got to follow Brother Jackie. Uh, I, I, I do. He is a great man of God. And I want to tell you something. Uh, I know he hollers and screams at y'all all the time, but he loves y'all. I'm telling you, he does. And I, I, I look forward to spending time with him. But I, I want to preach your message on dealing with uncertainties. And when you think about this, quickly, I'm going to just take you on a brief little New Testament journey uh, through the Scripture, uh, through the Apostle's life and the, the way that he lived his life. I want you to turn to Matt, uh, First Peter, uh, Second Peter, if you will, and I want to begin reading. Well, I think I'm going to drop down uh, to, verse, uh, to the basis uh, of the knowledge of the establishment of this Scripture. Uh, and, and go to verse 12, and then I'm going to come back and probably read the first eight verses. But if you'll notice in verse 12, he said, Wherefore, uh, will I not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, uh, though you know them, and uh, be established in the present truth? He's saying, you've, you've listened, you've learned. And that's how you've learned to applaud. That's how you've learned to, to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit. Churches don't know to do this. You know, you you got, you got a lot of churches that you go into, and, and you got to find a place to say amen. And when you do, it's like, well, they fix and get me and take me out of here for saying anything. It's like saying boo. And, 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 but you, you know how to worship. You know how to listen. You know, you know when, when, when you feel that anointing to say, amen, praise the Lord, applaud heaven. And that's a gift of spiritual direction, church. And I'm telling you, a lot of churches don't have it. You got it. Praise the Lord forever. Let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Tonight, I'm going to preach you a message on the priorities of, uh, of Eden Westside. I hope you can come back. I, I want you to hear this message uh, that God's given me to preach tonight. But do you realize, I looked up, I, uh, I called Alabama Baptist, our state convention, because I wanted to know where you were in your ministry. Uh, you're 22nd. Uh, in our in our southern in our uh, in the state of Alabama, uh, you were 22nd in baptism last year, and then uh, but you led your association by the way in baptisms. And when I looked that up, you say, well, 22nd's not that good. That's 3,254 churches, and you're number 22. <laughs> wow! Praise the Lord. That 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 is that is major, uh, and I I know that you're a uh, you're a tremendous leader in the state of Alabama. And you know what you know what the joy of this church is. Uh, 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 what what I've loved when I came in, I was greeted. I mean, I, uh, I I'm I'm coming back, and I'm gonna let y'all know so y'all meet me in the parking lot and help me get in. I I I've been I've been so. I don't know how to even describe the, the respect level and the way that you honor God's man. I, I'm, I'm so impressed with that. Your, your respect for, for your man, uh, that's why God's blessing you, by the way, and I truly believe that. But when I, when I looked up those statistics 
And then when, when, I, when I came in, a couple of men come in to pray with me. And you know what they prayed for? They prayed for somebody to get saved. They prayed for somebody to get saved. Then I went into a prayer room uh, just before this service. And there was a, a lady in there, and she'd been in there praying the whole time for the service today. And I went in that prayer room, and, and you know what she prayed for? She prayed that somebody would get saved. And, and so see, that means you're, you're doing what, what Jesus commanded us to do. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. Hey, your baptistry's lit up, Amen. And God gets into that, praise the Lord, forever. But, but when, we, when we look at this passage of Scripture, there's probably uh, always somebody, they've got uncertainties, they're going through stuff. It's always stuff going on, that's part of life. But it's how we deal with it that builds our character and our spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you, when you look at this passage of Scripture and look at verse 13, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. In other words, when, when Peter, when he presented this epistle, he wanted to stir the people up. He wanted them to be excited. So that's the joy that you see. But then look at verse 14 and 15 now. Peter's got old. Now, he's came through a bundle of uncertainties. We're going to go there. And I'm going to journey us through that. Now, you got to remember when he's writing Second Peter chapter 1, he's in a combative state of mind. He is very upset with the false teachings that's going on uh, in, in the world today. And so this combative passage of Scripture, he tells us this is where we should be as a Christian. And when, when you look at verse 14, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me, you know what he's saying? I know how to die. Now, don't get me wrong. I ain't jumping with joy to die. But I know this. When I die, it's going to be better. And, I, and I've told my sweet wife, and by the way, she was here for the early service. We got a 19-year-old granddaughter turned 19 today, and, uh, and she, she called me and she said, Poppy, I can't believe you're going off to preach on my birthday. And I said, baby, I don't plan my schedule around your birthday. I'm sorry, but buddy, I'll have to go to, I'll have to, go to uh, she's going to Auburn. Uh, I don't have on orange and blue, if you notice that. <laughs> But I'm telling you now, I'm hooked up since that baby went down there, uh, and I'll have to go next week probably and feed her every day to make her happy. But my wife is with her. Uh, we kind of do split jobs at times uh, just to keep the balance in the family. She'll be back tonight. She texted me. This, she forgot her phone. Uh, and we came in two vehicles, and uh, so uh, we, we stopped and got something to eat. We was leaving. She said, I forgot my phone. I said, well, you can have mine. You don't need to be on the interstate. She said, no, you keep yours. I'm so glad I did. She got home 48 years. Now, wouldn't you like to get a, a text from your wife that said, I'm home safe. And she said, you preached a great message. And then she said, don't preach too long the second time either. So I've got direction, but I see the clock now. We're good to go, amen? So, so, so he's announcing, I'm fixing to die. But notice in that 15th verse, moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. He said, I'm fixing to die, but I want you to remember what I've just told you. What has he just told them? What has he just, how, he's, how, is he, how has he instructed the church? Go back to verse 1. 
Simon Peter, a servant of an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And he's, in other words, he's saying, hey, our faith identifies. You know why I love coming in a church like this? In the, I, that, they sang that song, the first service, and I kind of hinted that, boy, I wish y'all would do that for the second one. Thank you, brother. Good job. And I, that, that's the setting of this song. It, listen, when we come into this building, we come into the presence of Jehovah. Amen? I don't know about you, but I came to worship. And that's some people come to church to gripe and to complain. I came to worship. I love the offering. Praise the Lord for the offering. I love seeing them take the offering. I really love when people give in the offering. Amen? But I, I, I just love to worship. So, so Peter is saying, you're doing what, what, I, what I've instructed you to do. And now we have this grace explosion that's fixing to take place. Look at verse three. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto the, uh, that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue. Verse four. This is where God gave me this message of, of dealing with uncertainties. Whereby, now you claim this as I read it. You may be here uh, with a, with a, a, problem at, at the house, a problem at the job, a, a problem with, with health, a situation. I, uh, I have a, I'm, I'm a, a type two diabetic. I take shots all day. I like them. I eat, I eat french fries and take a shot. Uh, my, my doctor gets so mad at me. But, but here, here, here's, here's the thing. Uh, they told me, and, and I, I, I'm, I'm just got to tell you some of the stuff I told the first service. If you're here the second time, I'm sorry. But the, uh, uh, they told me I was going to lose my sight. Probably with diabetes, it attacks the nerves in your eyes, and you start losing your sight. I've had three surgeries. They work great. This type of disease that I have, they can just keep fixing it. They can do surgeries and just keep fixing it. So I've had, I've had three surgeries and they fix it. I can see uh, great. I can read my Bible. But I've got these new glasses. And uh, I just got my new glasses. And the, the week before that, I've been to the doctor. And he said, look, you're probably going to lose your sight. Diabetes takes its toll. Uh, and it's, it's going to be a, a struggle. Uh, and so, so I, I'm remembering that while I'm preaching with my new glasses. And uh, I walk over here to kind of give an example of the left limb falls out. Well, it's light. I don't know it. Uh, I didn't hear it hit the floor. I didn't hear anything. So I walk back over here to my Bible. My lens is going out of that glass. I look down. I can't see my Bible. I just break down and start crying. I'm just weeping right there on the stage. I'm like, oh, this church, y'all got to pray for me. I said, I'm going blind while I'm preaching to you. <laughs> well, they felt sorry for me and uh, kind of loved me. But here's what they liked. I was so upset, I dismissed they got out 10 minutes early. That's the happiest bunch of people. They didn't care if I went blind or not. They just knew, whoo, we're getting out 10 minutes early, amen? But when, when, you, when you see where we are, notice this fourth verse. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. Claim those promises in Jesus' name, amen? Hey, we, we listen. We, you talk about people that you love. How many of you uh, know somebody that's lost? Anybody? Hold up your hand. You know a lost person. I, he says right here, whereby given us to, have given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. He promised. He promised them the joy of salvation. 
And that joy so often comes through us, through our testimony. Hey, somebody comes in this church lost and they leave lost and they can walk out of this atmosphere and this spirit, they're in trouble. Their very soul is in trouble of where they're going to spend eternity. God is in this place. When you're in this place, you can have a Holy Ghost experience of an outpouring of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, you won't hear that from a lot of Southern Baptist preachers because we're afraid they'll say, well, they're charismatic. Well, bless God, I want to be charismatic. I want the ability to draw large crowds into our churches so we can see more people saved. I want exciting music. I want exciting Sunday schools. I want exciting teaching. I want exciting preaching. I serve a God that's still in control. He's still alive. He still reigns, and Jesus is still saving souls. Amen? Amen. Y'all will preach a man to death in this place. My goodness. But he's, when he talks about these precious promises, look at, uh, look at, look at verse 5. And beside this, giving all diligence, and now Peter is fixing to stack up where we're going with this. Notice, notice that verse. He said, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Is it there? That's what the invitation's for. You need a little virtue to love lost people more. You did raise your hands. Say, I know a lost person. Virtue. I care. Virtue means caring. And, and I love to get in caring churches. And when you're 20, 22 out of 3,254 churches, you care. When you lead an association of 66 churches in baptism, you care. And that's real in the way that we're living. But notice now, he stacks up. Now, you got to remember this. He's cut off a man's ear. He's denied Christ. He's cursed. He's done everything in the world. And yet, now, I want you to notice where he's come to in his life. He said, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance, well, this next one's where we trip, patience. I don't know about you, but in my life, I hadn't been the most patient person in the world. But I've, as I've grown older, I think when you get older, you get patience because you're just tired of griping, amen? And you just realize that. But then he, he tells us patience. Guess what happens when we get that patience? And we're going there. That's the journey we're on. You start, you start getting godliness. Can you imagine you, you go into Walmart and somebody looks at you like, you look plum godly. Isn't that wonderful? I, I, can, I can remember pastoring. I, I used to I dress like this all the time. I don't wear a tie no more. I just call and they said, Brother Jackie wears a tie, so I put it on. Uh, I look good, don't I? Yes, I ought to take my coat off. I wear, this shirt is huge. It comes down past my knees. <laughs> it's folded three times in the back just to get it in, just so I could button it in the neck. So, so and, and, I, and, and, I, and I did that out of respect for your pastor. I even heard he wears them back on Sunday night. I ain't got but one suit and one tie. I don't know what we're going to do. Amen. We'll have to work on that. But, but now we see, we see the reality of godliness. And notice the next one. Cut off an ear. Curse the, the reality of knowing the Lord gets mad when Jesus said, go feed my sheep. 
And you know, he said, he, you know, he remember he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, yes, Jesus, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked him again, do you love me? He said, yes, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Third time he asked him, here comes, here comes the epistle writer. He's ticked. The Bible says he just kind of, I can just hear him, I've told you twice, and I'll tell you again, you know that I love you. But Jesus said, well, I remember that ear you cut off, and I remember that time that cock crew three times, and you denied me. And, and so, so we see this reality, but notice what's happened. Brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. Now, let's take a quick journey. Turn to uh, Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, go to verse 22. Now remember, when, when, when you see the reality of the scripture, Jesus has just fed 5,000. And then he fed the, 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 the mothers and their children. So thousands of people off, off, of, uh, off of five loaves of bread and two fishes, we've just fed thousands of people. So you think it's not a learning process for us? when we see how dynamic Jesus can be. So, so he's just fed thousands. Peter was there. He witnessed this. And then, and then in verse 22, Jesus said, look, I'm gonna, uh, I want y'all to go. I'm going to go in here and tell the multitude all these thousands I just fed. I'm going to go tell them bye. Y'all get in the ship and you go over uh, to the other side and I'll catch up with you. Uh, you're familiar with the scripture. So, so the, the disciples get in the ship and they're going over and you know, this big storm comes and here comes, uh, here comes Mr. Uh, here, here, comes, here comes Mr. Uncertainty. And Jesus, you know, as he's walking on that water in this passage of scripture, uh, the scripture said the disciples see him coming. They say, that must be a spirit. Now, buddy, I worship him in spirit. And I love being in churches where his spirit is working. I love being in the presence of Jehovah. I love being in a church that recognizes, hey, he's here. Hallelujah. He's here. Amen. I love being drawn into the presence of the Lord. But they said, surely it's just a spirit. Jesus said, no, it's me. And here comes Mr. Uncertainty. Lord, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And, and, and Jesus said, well, come on. Now, I hadn't read anywhere else in the Bible. They had seen him do this. They've seen him working miracles like crazy. But they hadn't seen him walk on water. I can just see Jesus as he walks over one of those big old waves and he comes down and he's walking up toward that boat. And those disciples have seen this. And Peter said, uh, bid me to come to you. Just said, come on. Peter gets out and he's walking on the water. Mr. Uncertainty has arrived. Guess what happened? He took his eyes off of Jesus. What's the first thing we do in a storm? We try to fix it. What, what happened to the altar? What happened to, hey, God, I'm going through a storm. I'm struggling at work. I've got situations with my family. My marriage is not everything that it needs to be. Whatever happened to getting on our face before God and say, I've got some uncertainties in my life, Lord, and I need for you to protect me. Now we take our eyes off of him. We try to do it ourselves. What do we do? We start to sink. Every time we start to sink, but then something happens. Oh, I love the master of the sea. I love the maker of the wind. I can see Peter now as he's taking his eyes off of Jesus and he's out there like, hee, 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 I'm walking on water. And then all of a sudden, he starts down. Hey, Jesus, I'm sinking. Listen, if we don't stay hooked up with Jesus through the word of God, through the prayer chain of heaven, through the dynamics of the Holy Spirit, we'll sink even as born-again Christians. Amen? You've got to stay tuned in.
What does Jesus do? You're sitting in that pew with an uncertainty. What does Jesus do? Here, Peter, take my hand. And he lifts him up. And he rescues him from that storm. The uncertainty of life is real. And when you see the reality of that, you come to the crisis. Turn to chapter 26, Matthew. This is good. I like this right here. And when, when, you, when, you, when you realize there's uncertainty, and they come, crises are to follow. If we don't, if we don't follow the, the direction of Jesus, the instructions of the scripture, we're in trouble. So, but when you, when you see uh, verse 69 in Matthew chapter 26, and Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, Mr. Uncertainty, help me, Lord, I'm sinking. Man, I'm here now, and I love this Jesus. And then you see this passage of Scripture. Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was going out into the porch, another maid saw him. I mean, he got so nervous, he went out on the porch. And there's another maid out there, and she said, that's one of them. I can tell by the way that he's talking. And she said, he'd be wrath. He sounds just like this Jesus of Nazareth. And then when he was going out into the forest, verse 71, another, another maid saw him and said unto them, uh, them that were there, this fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came unto him, they that stood by and said to Peter, surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear and to swear, saying, I know not the man. Oh, what uncertainty. Let's take a giant step. You know what the Bible said he did? I pray you'll do this today if you have an uncertainty. I pray that everybody raised their hands and said, I know a lost person. You need to pray for them. You don't just need to pray for them. You need to call them and tell them you prayed for them. It's, uh, uh, it's five, four, four minutes till 11. I'll be through here. I'm not gonna say I'm fixed to be through. I hate it when a preacher said, I got one more point and then they preach 30 more minutes. That's awful, isn't it? So, so I'm almost through, okay? But, but, but here's the key. Here's the key. I had a, a, a brother-in-law. My wife is here this morning. She can verify this. Uh, 45 years I've been telling about Jesus. We'd, we'd go out to eat. We'd go in the Cracker Barrel to eat. We'd meet him in Georgia. And I'd get ready to say the prayer. He'd get up and leave because he didn't want to sit under a prayer. 45 years I told him about Jesus. I kept, uh, the, the uncertainties had piled up on me. I didn't know what to do. And you know, here's one of the most frustrating things I found about winning people to Jesus. We get, uh, we go and we, we share the gospel. I'm sure some of you on your soul winning teams, you go and you share the gospel and people, uh, some people are courteous, some people just tell you they don't want to hear it. Now, the, the lost world has become very bold in rejecting Jesus. But sometimes you get in, you get to share that gospel and give them all that scripture you know and tell them how they can be saved and then they won't pray with you and you leave the house, you just feel defeated, don't you? This was one of my uncertainties. Lord, I've done everything you told me to do. I shared the gospel. I told them how they could be saved and they said they're just not ready to do it. Well, my brother-in-law was like this for 45 years. Well, you know, God's on the throne and he's still in control. My brother-in-law has a heart attack. Major heart attack, triple bypass. We ride over to Georgia. I get to go back and I see you. He's laying in there in that bed, conscious. He's awake. We talk to him, and I'm there like 
Man, you could be in the pits of hell right now. You've never been saved. My heart's heavy. My heart's been broken all these years. He's never been open in any way for me to share the gospel with him. And, 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 but, but we went to see him and we got ready to leave and he held up his hand for me to have prayer with him. Oh, y'all just sat there all shouting up for all of us. <laughs> that, meant, that meant something to me. Amen. For the first time in 45 years, I took his hand and I prayed and he listened. We go home two weeks, two weeks from, from, that, from that Saturday, Tuesday week, Tuesday week, the Holy Spirit said, go see your brother-in-law. I leave the church. I don't tell a soul where I'm going. I ride to Georgia. I get to the house. He's there recovering. He's doing great. The wife is there with him. They're sitting in, the, sitting in their den. I go in, and I'm going to let him know, man, if you'd have died, you'd have went to hell. But I go in there, and I give him the scripture. I take him down that Roman road. He's very attentive, but he's got his head down, and I'm like, he ain't even listening. This hadn't even affected him. And I got through telling him the scripture and how he can be saved, and I said, don't you want to know Jesus as your personal Savior? He raised his head. Now, you don't have to shout. I can shout enough for all of us. But he raised his head. He said, I sure do. So so you raised your hand and you said, well, if I go home and call them, is this going to make them mad? They ain't no hell number two. They'll get over it, Amen. But people need to know we care. And, and here, here's what I realized through outreach and encouraging my church. I go into a house and I tell somebody about Jesus. They won't pray. They don't want any part of it. I leave, go out and get in the car like I'm defeated. Hey, I've had victory. I've shared the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've shared the gospel of saving grace. I get in that car, back out of that driveway. I'm not defeated. Guess who stayed at the house? Did y'all not get that? The Holy Spirit went in there with me. We shared Jesus with this person. When I left with uncertainties, if I didn't do good, he stayed there. Now, he's got to go to bed tonight, and all night long, he's going to say, you remember what that preacher told you? You better get your act all night long. He gets up tomorrow and go to work. Guess what happens? My little old squeaky voice rings in his ear all day long. Guess what happens? God's on the throne. Jesus still saves. Amen? Amen. So I can see Peter. Hey, we're creeping through the uncertainties. We're getting there. But I can just see he's cut off the ear. He's denied Christ three times. And then, I, and then I want you to turn to John chapter 21 quickly. John chapter 21. This is the kicker. This is the, this is the end of the beginning. John chapter 21. So when they had dined... <laughs> Peter's really arrived. His uncertainties 
have faded through this journey we've been on today. He cut off the ear. He's, he's denied Christ. But he's writing Second Peter to us saying, hey, I want you to know you need virtue. You need knowledge. You need understanding. You need to fall in love with Jesus. You need temperance. You need faith. And as he's educated us through the reading of this scripture, I want you to notice John chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. What did he say? Well, feed my lambs, church. If you love that lost person, feed them God's grace. Call them on the phone and say, I went, I, I went down today at uh, 12.03. We're almost there. And I want you to know I prayed for you to get saved because I love you. And then Jesus goes a little farther. He said to him again in the 16th verse, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, well, feed my sheep. Hey, Eden Westside, feed the sheep. When they come in here, feed them Jesus. Let them hear you say amen. Let them hear you shout for Jesus. Let them witness you applauding heaven. Let them witness the joy that is in this place. But then we go one step farther. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And there's still a little squeak left in the tweet because you can just see it in, in, in Mr. Attitude. He was grieved because he said it to him the third time, but I'm going to tell you something. He didn't deny him. He's just a little grieved over the situation. I've told you twice, but I need to tell you again. And Jesus said, hey, if you love me like you say you do, feed my sheep. Go tell people about me so we see the reality of God's love. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. <clears throat> you love the Lord. We've decided that by your spirit of worship, by your nod, your amen, your applause. You love lost people. Here, here, if you're here and you're lost, hear me. You're here to get saved. Now, I don't know why you think you're here, but I'm telling you, if you're here and you don't know my Jesus as your personal Savior, you're here to get saved. And don't you walk out of this building without Jesus. I, I was sitting in the study talking to these kind men that have uh, just, just taken such great care of me. And, and, and as we was discussing everything, I'm, uh, one of the things that uh, Hillcrest was a good side church, uh, and so uh, I've been put down to do a lot of funerals. I had one Saturday. Uh, I, I did a funeral. I, did, I took off the whole month of July. I really acted retired. And so I took off the whole month of July and I did three funerals. But in every funeral that I do, this is how I close it. I talk about their legacy, their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, their cars, their houses, all that they've accomplished in life. But here's the punchline. If you're lost, you hear this. When that time comes, it's come in Peter's life. In Second Peter, of Chapter 1, verse 14, 15, he knows he's fixing to die. When that come times in your life, when that, that time comes in your life, the only thing that matters, hear me, lost person, the only thing that matters is if you know Jesus or not. You're not going to take nothing with you except the life that you've lived. So you don't need to leave this building lost. If you raised your hand, and you said, I know a lost person. 
when this invitation starts, I want you to come to this altar. And I want you to commit yourself to going home, calling them on the phone, and saying at, at 10 minutes after 12 today, I prayed for you because I love you. If they get upset, good. Say the preacher, this, this crazy preacher, Rick Reeves, told me to do this. This ain't my idea. He told me to do it. Let them get mad at me. I don't give a rip. But we need to love people in Jesus' name. And they need to know that we love them and they need to know that we're praying for them. But here's the key. If you're sitting in this building lost, don't you die without Jesus. If there's uncertainties in your relationship with the Lord, don't leave this building. I had somebody uh, several times in my ministry, I've had people come to me and say, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'd rather get saved twice and go to hell once. Amen? I'm, I really, I'm telling you. So you need to know, we live in a world of uncertainty. Our lives are attacked every day by the country that we live in, by the immoral laws that they're passing, by the ungodliness of the leaders of this nation. We're under attack. They despise us as Christians. And it's time that we stand up in Jesus' name and we hold true to the faith that God has given us. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're lost, get saved. Don't leave this building without Jesus. If you're, if you're saved and struggling with uncertainties, get in this altar. If you know a lost person that you really love, come and say, Lord, and look at your watch and say, right now in Jesus' name, I commit myself to calling them today and telling them I prayed for you today because I love you. And I want you to pray about that. I want you to stand to your feet, every head bowed, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the attention span of this church. What a, what a great church to preach in. I thank you for pouring heaven out on this place, for giving us the opportunity to sing your praises, to study your word in, in their life discovery, to, to preach your word. But most of all, now as we honor this invitation, may we be true to our hearts. I pray that lost person that knows they're here to get saved will not walk out of this building without Jesus Christ. I pray that that Christian that is struggling with uncertainties will come to this altar and deal with that uncertainty. I pray that they will start the advancement in their life as this apostle did with his life. And then when the end of the road comes, they'll be full of that virtue. They'll be full of those blessings. They'll be full of that praise. They'll be full of that loving kindness. They'll be full of that temperance and faith and virtue. And I pray this in Jesus' name. God bless this invitation. In the lovely name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. Now, start coming now. Don't even wait on him. Start singing. Come to this altar. Commit yourself to what you've told the Lord you're going to do. Love people in Jesus' name. We're ready to sing, my brother. Come on.